We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to be with you today on the show. We have a jam-packed show along with some uh, breaking news. And we will get to that here shortly. I'm shoring up some of my information on the breaking news uh, before we get there. That's why I'm talking kind of slow and dragging my feet before I get to Scripture here. Um, the, uh, uh, the scripture that we're in this week on the show, on the core, is Psalm chapter 7. And we're carrying this a chapter at a time, but I'm, I'm pulling out uh, from each chapter some highlights, if you will, or some, some, uh, some encouragement for the audience here. And in Psalm chapter 7, we, we're continuing the Psalms of David. And he, he continues this theme of God being his shield, God being his protector, God being his defender. And he carries this throughout uh, the book of Psalms, at least what we're reading thus far. Psalm chapter 7, verse 10 and 11, My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. And so, you know, the oftentimes I think with people who don't fully understand scripture, people who don't fully grasp the character of God, paint him in a light that is less serious, less just, less righteous than than God truly is. And that's why I said uh, two weeks ago, I don't like when people say, when people refer to God Almighty as the man upstairs. That is a lowering of the bar. That is a lowering of the expectation, a lowering of the view of God. God is a righteous God. He is a just God. He is an all-powerful God. These are all the words that Scripture uses to describe God. I could go on and on and on about all of the ways that God is described in Scripture. But God is the uh, Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And we as humans, as mere flesh, need to remember, as hard as it is, we need to remember our place before God. And it's a place of humility It should be a place of meekness, and it should be a place where we are in awe and humbled by his power, by his goodness. And the reality is is that we are not worthy in any measure, like in, in any way are we worthy of eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, and and God the Holy Spirit. In no way like there's not one piece of humanity that you can look at and say that alone 
justifies man being reunited with God. That's why Jesus came and took our place on the cross, took our place on this earth for our sin so that we could be reunited uh, with God. So that's what Jesus, that's what his sacrifice was about. That's what he came for. And so the, the shed blood of Jesus is what granted us access to be reunited with the Father. And so without Jesus, there is no access to the Father. That's what Jesus came to do. And what you see in Scripture at the time of the crucifixion is you see a tearing of the veil, a physical tearing of the veil in the temple. What does that signify? That signifies that the veil between God and man that had been in the temple for a long time, that veil was torn so that all of humanity could then now have access to the Father. But there's a caveat here. Should they believe? Should they believe in Jesus as the Son of God and believe in him for eternal salvation? They can then have access to to the Father. The veil was torn for the body of Christ. So uh, Jesus was questioned over and over again by the Pharisees, by the disciples, by others. What does it take to have eternal life? He says over and over again. He doesn't overcomplicate. He doesn't go into a theological spill. No, Jesus says, in order to have eternal life, you must believe that I am the Son of God. And so that's what uh, Jesus's answer was for those questioning what does it mean to have eternal life. Bobby? Amen. Amen. Um, moving to some of the uh, topics for today, we have a lot to get to, but the breaking story, before we get to some of the other issues, the breaking story is that President Biden will have an opportunity to appoint a Supreme Court justice. That is the breaking news in recent hours that President Biden will have an opportunity to replace Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. And so that's what's going on today in Washington, D.C. That is the latest news. And we, we probably could have seen this coming. Probably could have seen this coming. Justice Stephen Breyer is 83 years old and is retiring from the Supreme Court. This is, this is going to be a fight. And everyone who's listening is saying, duh, Walker, it's going to be a fight. But it's going to be a fight for who replaces Justice Breyer. Who replaces Justice Breyer. And if anyone can uh, be a student of history and a student of this administration, we know that President Biden is going to most likely nominate an extreme radical. An extreme radical, that's probably a, uh, uh, repeating myself there, um, but is probably going to appoint a radical because this, this is going to be the legacy of the left, at least this administration. And we saw where President Biden, uh, I'm sorry, President Obama, when Biden was vice president, tried to appoint Merrick Garland, who is now the attorney general. And this, the, the, he was way out there. And one one point I want to bring up before we move on to other topics is that during the campaign 
for president. Joe Biden pledged that he would nominate a black woman to SCOTUS, to the Supreme Court. All right. So that's the talk now. Wall Street Journal put out a piece earlier. President Biden is most likely to appoint a black woman, a woman with darker skin, to the Supreme Court. All right. So there's nothing obviously clearly wrong with a woman that has uh, darker skin. I don't really like the whole black white thing. It's it's just absurd. We're all one race, the human race. We have just different pigmentation, different skin colors. Um, but if you watch the, the, the media, you go to the public education system, you would think there's like 100 different races, and we've all got to be segregated into our different little bubbles and, um, and, and so on and so forth. So that's how they describe things. But nonetheless, here's a problem with that. My question is, are we nominating people based on the content of their character, based on their ideology and their worldview? Are we appointing people because of their skin color? I mean, this is so absurd. And and this just gets glossed over as if it's like, okay, to nominate people to positions based solely on skin color. And this is absurd. And we all know it's absurd, but only half of us want to talk about it, if that. Can you imagine the headline? Trump to nominate white man to Supreme Court. And then let's just say theoretically or hypothetically, the former president, Trump, talked about how, yeah, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to appoint a white man to the Supreme Court. That would be rebuked. It would be blasted. All the media would go down. This is a KKK. He's a racist. All the Republicans. Yeah, let's impeach him. This is terrible. This is discriminatory. Everybody would be coming down hard. I mean, Washington would burn. Rightfully so. And so let's stop as a society placing people in positions based on their skin color. And this applies across the board. People don't need to be placed in positions because they're white or because their skin color is lighter, rather. And the same goes with people with other pigmentation. All right. And that gets in to the topic I I touched on a little bit yesterday, didn't really delve into, and that is the, the, the topic of affirmative action. That is the topic of affirmative action. Is it good? Is it right? Is it biblically just to approve people, uh, approve applicants to public education systems based on their skin color. And if you look at that, and that really is the issue in hand, because discriminating based on skin color in this country is already illegal. It's called the Civil Rights Act of 1964. If it is proven that a that an employer is or, or anyone is discriminating Let's just talk about the employment context. If it is if it is clear, if there's evidence that an employer is discriminating on hiring someone or discriminating against an existing employee based on their skin color, that's illegal. That's illegal. Yes, that's racist, but it's also illegal in this country. That's that's without affirmative action. So what we've done here is not only have we made discriminating based on skin color illegal, but then we've slapped on top of that affirmative action, which doesn't have anything to do with motive and intent, and it just gets into pure 
uh, status quo. It gets into pure uh, affirmative action, and the quota, that's the right word, the quota of the number of people that can come in that have different skin colors or that are from different countries. And so I think we're at a point in our country where we need to really reconsider the whole affirmative action policy and the entire affirmative action process because when you get to the bottom of it, it is based on skin color and it is based on national origin and people are being approved or denied based on that. That is, that is the essence of affirmative action. And that's supposed to be what we're all against. That's supposed to be what we're all against. Well, the Supreme Court is going to hear that case. The Supreme Court is going to hear that challenge having to do with Harvard and some other Ivy League schools. Jumping into another topic I wanted to talk about today, and I'll play some clips later in the show on this topic, but Senator Ron Johnson had a hearing on COVID-19, and he had a panel of experts and medical professionals and doctors and scientists to discuss this topic. And it was really refreshing to have about five hours of testimony regarding COVID-19 early treatments and how the CDC and the FDA and the Biden administration have been working overtime to block many of these treatments. And I have a story out of Florida. Covered this a little bit last month, but still, same issue going on. Florida shuts down monoclonal antibody treatment sites after FDA sets new limits. So the FDA is now blocking treatments from being delivered to Florida. They're continuing to block treatments, rather, from being delivered to Florida. And the claim out there is that, well, the antibody treatments don't work against Omicron. Well, that in and of itself has its issues because the same formula used to build the antibodies is the same formula used to build the vaccines. And that is, it's all built to go after the first variant, the alpha variant. So if you say the antibodies don't work, well, then you're also saying the vaccines don't work. We'll talk more about this next segment. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Sometimes there's a delay between crying out to God in prayer and seeing those prayers answered. It is imperative for us in those times that we don't waver in our confidence in our God. The next verse goes on to say, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You see, the delay between supplication and delivered answer is one of the ways God develops endurance in us. He desires that the roots of our faith grow down deep, that we become trees planted by rivers of living water, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in His work. In this, we grow beyond superficial Christianity. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Throughout my tenure as a volunteer working with girls and now as a leader of volunteers who work with girls, one area remains constant. Girls love service. Girls become more compassionate and empathetic when they consider others' needs. When they serve, girls feel like they are contributors to the greater good. The importance of service in a girl's life is confirmed by research. According to studies, children experience a wide range of benefits when engaged in community service projects, including better grades and self-image, better overall health, reduced loneliness and depression, and more. Couple these benefits with placing legs on a girl's faith while advancing the kingdom of God, and you will find that dedication to serving others has an incredible eternal impact on one's life. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. This is Raising Godly Boys with Mark Hancock. Jump in. The water's fine. Most three or four-year-olds will cling tightly to you in the swimming pool. To them, the water looks incredibly deep and scary. But as they gain experience from you, they gain confidence to splash, swim, and dive. As your son continues to grow, don't let him flounder and sink in other areas of life, peer pressure and temptation. They're like heavy weights that can drown him in confusion and sin. Teach your son how to avoid these weights by pursuing friendships and activities that are true, honest, and pure. Remember, your son needs to be guided and inspired. Help him thrive by preparing him for life's journey. Visit Trail Life USA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com to learn about a proven process that is helping transform boys into godly men. Download free resources to help you at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Radio. This is Worship Wednesday, and that was God So Good from Life Church Worship. And the uh, song there was inspired from First Chronicles 16, verse 34. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That was the inspiration behind that song there from uh, Life Church Worship. God So Good is the name of that song. Hey, uh, we have a special guest with us that we've had on the show at least once before, and that is Ryan Bomberger, who is the Chief Creative Officer and Co-Founder of the Radiance Foundation, good friend of the ministry here at American Family Radio. Hey, Ryan, thanks for coming back on the core. Hey, it's great to be back with you. Well, Ryan, I came across uh, a, a, a piece out of Fox News that uh, covered 
it was covering the Sanctity of Human Life Month, but it told a little bit about your testimony and an interview that you did with Fox News Digital. And uh, I want to have our audience, uh, I want to have you uh, remind our audience or, or those who've never heard of your work or your testimony, just remind us of where you came from and what God's done in your life. Well, I came from a tiny little family of 15 in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, the Bombergers. We had, uh, there were 13 kids in my family and 10 of us were adopted. I was the first one. And I just had remarkable parents, Henry and Andrea Bomberger, who loved the Lord. And, you know, when you love God, that natural outflow is you love people. And they loved us like crazy. And they accepted me, even though I had been conceived in rape, but I was adopted in love. My mm. birth mom experienced that horror and that violence of rape, but she courageously gave me the gift of life and the gift of adoption. And so that's why I'm really passionate about the issue. I am also happily married to the best woman on the planet, my wife, Bethany, mm -hmm. the co-founder of the Radiance Foundation. And we have four kiddos. Two of our kiddos were also adopted. So I'm really passionate about the the injustice of abortion, passionate about ending it, and I'm really passionate and biased toward <laughs> adoption. Amen. Amen. Hey, Ron, in, in, in my, many of your speeches and many of your uh, presentations, you Always remind those that you're speaking with, speaking to, that with, with, with this baby-killing epidemic going on in this country, and uh, uh, millions of babies' lives have been taken since Roe v. Wade and even prior to that, um, you, you say often something to the extent of that with the abortion industry and Planned Parenthood specifically, they are specifically targeting communities. They are targeting people and groups, uh, and oftentimes minorities. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, that's that's been Planned Parenthood's DNA since its start. I mean, it was birthed in the same racist eugenics that the Holocaust was birthed out of. And so here you have an industry that was birthed in this racist, elitist pseudoscience, and that targeted disproportionately black individuals back then. They targeted the black community with uh, birth control saying that it was the uplift out of poverty. <laughs> and then that turned into, of course, abortion on demand. It's, it has led us to the point now where the, you know, in Manhattan, where Planned Parenthood is headquartered, more black babies are aborted than born alive. For every 1,000 born alive, 1,226 are aborted. Hmm. The only demographic where there are more induced deaths than births. I mean, this has been by historic design. So, you know, the Radiance Foundation has launched numerous campaigns highlighting the disproportionate impact of abortion in the black community, getting called out, getting denounced by, you know, like the ACLU, getting denounced by <laughs> Planned Parenthood. If you're denounced by them, you're obviously doing something right. Yes. Um, but we were also denounced by the NAACP, a group that I grew up revering, you know, the once great civil rights organization that sadly today is radically pro-abortion. In fact, I wrote an article a few years ago, and I called them the National Association for the Abortion of Colored People mm. because of their radical pro-abortion position, and they're partnering with Planned Parenthood, and they sued me. They lost two years in federal court. They lost after, you know, losing at the first federal level, we appealed it, but Alliance Defending Freedom represented us. But we've been in this fight for, for years, just highlighting and sounding that alarm of abortion's devastation in the black community. It truly is. And one thing we talked, uh, I talked last week with Pastor Joseph Parker, who I'm sure you know here at the ministry. Um, it, it is, we, we were talking, I was talking with Pastor Parker about, on the show, about how the body of Christ needs to be preparing spiritually, mentally, and financially, and physically to care 
for more women and children that are in this situation uh, where uh, it's an unplanned pregnancy, although God God knows the name of the child even before they were conceived. Um, but for 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 many single women across the country, you know, if, if abortion is overturned, and that is the the overarching goal, you know, I say on the show all the time that let's not be let's not be uh, you know uh, riding the fence on this topic. Let's be abundantly clear that the goal is to outlaw abortion 100% across the board. Uh, you, you, can it be done incrementally? Should incremental approaches be tackled? Sure, but the overarching goal is to end abortion. That's been the, that should be the should be the position of the believer. But my point here in saying all of this is that the body of Christ needs to be uh, helping crisis pregnancy centers, needs to be promoting and and, and defending and uplifting uh, uh, adoption so that so that the body of Christ can be there uh, to adopt children who need uh, families. But uh, Ryan, one thing I came across, another thing I came across, slightly different topic on your website is a recent video you did in partnership with the Colson Center and the about five-minute video goes through the question, should Christians support Black Lives Matter? What do you say? No. 100% no. Yes, Black <laughs> Lives Matter. And they matter in and out of the womb, by the way. But yes, Black Lives Matter. That truth is you know, that's something that we should all embrace. Every human life matters because we're all made in the image of God, regardless of the beautiful hue of our skin. But the organization... Uh, whether it's the Black Lives Matter global organization or the Movement for Black Lives, those are the two kind of umbrella organizations. 100% no. Marxist, anti-family, pro-abortion, pro-LGBT, anti-just common sense on so many levels. Uh, so, yeah, my answer is emphatic no. All right, excellent. And I'm going to post. A, I'm going to actually get Bobby to post a link to that five-minute video on your site there, Ryan, because it's very helpful. Because you go through the statistics. You go through the the positions of the Black Lives Matter organization and movement and break that down for the layperson to understand. When you say no, it gives that information as to why your position is that and why our position should be that as well. Hey, Ryan, God bless you. Keep up the good work, and we'll have you back on the course sometime in the future. Thank you so much. God bless. All right. There you have it. That's Ryan Bomberger, chief creative officer and co-founder with his wife there of the Radiance Foundation. And Ryan's actually spoken, he and his wife have spoken at our Marriage Family Life Conference a couple times, and we're going to have that again this summer in June. So actually, first week of July. July, yeah. Yeah, but stay tuned for uh, information on that here in the next month or two. We'll have some registration open and more information for you. So we'll cover that here on the core. All right, into the topic I want to get to today is two things. We had a hearing with Senator Ron Johnson, which Senator Ron Johnson is a hero, by the way. He's bringing in people who are being canceled by the uh, mainstream uh, tech conglomerates, and he's bringing them in, and he's giving them a voice. Uh, He's allowing them to rather speak to the issue in an unfiltered manner, which is what we should be doing as a country. So he brought in dozens of medical professionals, scientists, doctors, etc., to give their take on how this pandemic should be handled, how COVID-19 should be handled. handled. So two things I want to pull out from this. The first one, we've played clips of Dr. Ryan Cole before. He's a good friend of Steve Dace. We've played his clips before. This is Dr. Ryan Cole talking about how his brother's life was saved from COVID-19 because of early and aggressive treatment. Clip three, let's listen. 
I'd like to start really quick with a story. So a high-risk individual approaches me, 50 years old, obese, type 1 diabetic, calls me, I have COVID. This was about a year ago. What do I do? Help. Help. I'm going to the ER. My oxygen's 86. I have excruciating pain in my lungs. So I said, you're going to the pharmacy. Don't go to the ER. I called in some early treatment medications of the drugs which shall not be named. And said individual calls me uh, a couple hours later and says, you know that excruciating 9 out of 10 lung pain, it's now 2 out of 10, 6 hours later. Well, I know the mechanisms of the medication I prescribed. A few hours later, in the next morning, he calls me and says, you know that oxygen saturation of 86, it's now 98%. I said, isn't that fantastic? Early treatment works. That individual is my brother. I am my brother's keeper. Wow. Powerful testimony by Dr. That's Ryan amazing. Golder. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, treated his brother who had some serious underlying conditions and um, helped to save his life because of early and aggressive treatment, which doctors have been promoting uh, uh, for months now, years. And they've been sidelined. They've been discredited. They've been had uh, state boards of health go after their licenses, which is horrific. Well, this next clip, I'm going to bring some data after the fact, and you're going to like this. But uh, let's play clip five. This is Dr. Pierre Corey, and he is uh, one of the founders of Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, which is another uh, entity similar to America's Frontline Doctors. They have been promoting early and aggressive treatment for COVID-19, including ivermectin. This is Dr. Corey explaining why ivermectin should not be discredited clip five i have to say i'm gonna call it out and i'm known for this i call it like i see it i'm calling attention to the corruption if you look at these innumerable failed policies there's only one way to understand them they are literally written by pharmaceutical companies almost every single policy serves the interest of a pharmaceutical company however if you look outside the united states and look around the world there have been numerous successes. As one of the world experts on ivermectin, let me just talk about some programs which used ivermectin. My colleagues here, as Dr. Rich just pointed out, there are a number of compounds that we've identified that are effective in early treatment. Almost all of them are repurposed or generic. But let me just say a few words about ivermectin and what it's doing around the world. Not in the United States. In the United States, it's a horse dewormer, it's horse paste, and only the illiterate, ignorant, and or unvaccinated use it. That medication has been shown to literally solve the pandemic in numerous regions around the world. All right. Well, there you have it. Not me. That's Dr. Pierre Corey. And, you know... I've said this before, but I'm going to bring back the statistics because the data is important, all right? If you listen to King Fauci, if you go to the CDC website, if you watch CNN, uh, and they do actually touch on these topics, when they do, rather, uh, you would think that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are back-alley drugs that nobody should use, and they're dangerous for your health. That is the established narrative on uh, with the mainstream media that's why this show afa at the core has has been taken off of youtube multiple times because we dare to speak of the drugs that are shown safe and effective in treating covid 19. but let's look at the numbers the number of studies and patients studied with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine let's compare that to remdesivir 
the $3,000 treatment that you get when you go to the hospital with COVID-19. Let's go through this. So ivermectin has been studied 76 times. There have been 76 separate studies involving 57,647 patients. And I have a link to this data on my podcast page at AFR.net. So if you're saying, Walker, where are you getting this data? Can I read the data? Absolutely you can. You can go to AFR.net, click on today's show, today's podcast on AFR.net, and you can click through to this COVID, to this C19 early website, all right? And you can't get the links on the app. You can't get the links on Apple or Spotify or Android devices. The only way you can click through to third-party links is by going to AFR.net website on your browser and going to my show page. So that's the way to click through to the links. So I, I mentioned ivermectin. All right, so hydroxychloroquine. How many times has uh, hydroxychloroquine been studied? And it has been studied. Let's first, before we cover hydroxychloroquine, let's go to, um, well, there's hydroxychloroquine. I had trouble finding it here. Uh, hydroxychloroquine has been studied, has had 306 separate studies. These are not counting a study multiple times. 306 separate studies involving 423,654 patients. So nearly a half a million patients have been studied. These are COVID-19 patients using hydroxychloroquine involving 306 separate studies. Okay. And then let's go down to remdesivir. You know, Fauci and all them like to brag about the $3,000 remdesivir compared to the $5 hydroxychloroquine pill. And They say remdesivir, remdesivir, remdesivir. Well, how often has it been studied? It's been studied 27 times. 27 times involving 98,000 patients. So a good number of patients, but only 27 studies. All right. So if we can approve remdesivir, which actually has conflicting data as to whether it works or not, some doctors say it makes you worse. But nonetheless... If we can have 27 studies of remdesivir and give a thumbs up to it, then we should be able to have 306 studies of hydroxychloroquine and give a thumbs up to it. We should be able to have 76 studies of ivermectin and give a thumbs up to it. Instead, they bash it, they discredit it, and they act like it doesn't exist. And that, my friends, is wrong. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies, very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. 
Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. That one of the greatest attacks in America was an attack perpetrated by our very own Supreme Court. That was the legalization of abortion. Now, subsequent to that, there have been 70 million babies slaughtered in the wombs of their mothers. That is more than the entire population of Canada and Australia combined. Kevin Sorbo of the hit films God's Not Dead and Let There Be Light supports life. I wanted to invite you to offer your full support for the Ministry of Preborn and its leader, Dan Steiner. The team at Preborn is very focused and very successful at saving preborn babies from abortion. Join Kevin Sorbo and Preborn in Standing for Life. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. For $140, you can help save five babies' lives. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or donate securely at preborn.com. This time of year, many people make resolutions, but unfortunately, they just don't stick. Franklin Graham. Let me tell you about a decision that you can make today that can change your life, not just for this year, but for eternity. You see, God gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to take our sins. And He died on a cross and He shed His blood for our sins. And He was buried, and on the third day, God raised Him to life. If you're willing to trust Jesus, He will change your life, not just for this year, but for eternity. Just pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus is your son. I want to trust him as my savior. And I'm willing to follow him as my Lord from this day forward forever. Amen. Someone is ready to talk with you right now about a relationship with Jesus Christ or simply pray with you. Call 888-388-2683. That's 888-388-2683. God bless you and a happy new year to each and every one. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, if I'm, you know, being put in timeout on YouTube, which I am, and if you want to watch the show live, the only place left right now is Facebook on my AFA at the Core page. So you can go to Facebook. Zuckerberg is allowing me to broadcast there. And you can watch the Core on that platform. If you're not able to go there, you can watch the show later on our streaming platform, AFA streaming platform. By going to streaming.afa.net, you can go there and watch AFA at the Core. After the fact, we're going to upload it. And then hopefully, optimistically, in a couple months, we'll have a live option there. Uh, so that's what we are working on. That is our goal. But uh, someone else who, who is probably going to be put in timeout pretty soon is Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, he brings on excellent guests on his show that many people at Fox News don't like, others at Fox News don't like, and for sure, the mainstream establishment media conglomerates, they sure enough, don't like Tucker Carlson and his guests. One of his guests he had on last night that really struck my, it really caught my attention as I was watching this, is former New York Times uh, journalist or columnist Alex Berenson. And he has been tracking this whole COVID-19 and the scandal related to uh, tre early treatment and the cancel culture that has been just dominating society as it relates to this topic. Well, he went on Tucker Carlson's show last night, and this first clip I'm going to play 
is where he is uh, talking about how these shots were designed for the first strain. These COVID-19 shots were designed for the first strain, but we're using them strain after strain later, except uh, expecting the same result. Clip six, let's listen. We're at a very dangerous moment, Tucker, and I'm not exaggerating. I think this is probably the most important appearance I've had with you in the last two years. It is completely clear now that the vaccines don't really work at all against Omicron. In these highly vaccinated and highly boosted countries, rates of infection are incredibly high and rates of serious disease and death are also rising. The Israelis are predicting that they're going to have more serious cases than they ever had at the peak last year. And the idea that we would solve this with another booster is just off the charts insane. I have not said this to you before because I'm pretty careful and I'm pretty careful with the data, but these vaccines, these mRNA vaccines, the mRNA COVID vaccines need to be withdrawn from the market now. No one should get them. No one should get boosted. No one should get double boosted. They are a dangerous and ineffective product at this point against Omicron. The spike that they make your body make that you then produce antibodies to is not the Omicron spike. And earlier today, Tony Fauci said, we're not going to give people monoclonal antibody products because the first generation products because they don't work against the Omicron spike. The same logic applies to these mRNA vaccines and giving people boosters even if in the very short term it knocks down infection rates, there's a boomerang effect, and that's what they're seeing in all these countries. We are at a dangerous moment, and these products need to be withdrawn. All right, well, there you have it. That's Alex Berenson on Tucker Carlson's show talking about how these shots were designed for a variant two years ago. They were designed for a variant two years ago, and they're using the same shot on different variants. What's if you compare this to something like influenza, we know that doesn't work. That's why they have to design variant or strain-specific shots each year during flu season for the flu shots. Hey, I want to open the lines to take your calls, calls, questions, comments about the topics we've discussed on the show, 888 You can call in to the show uh, AFA at the core. We'll take your calls here in the next few minutes. Once again, that number is 888-589-8840 to call in to the core. Uh, back on this uh, same topic with Alex Berenson, there is a a, a risk, especially young, amongst young adults, young men rather, uh, to be more specific, of myocarditis. And I played the uh, audio a couple days ago of the Dartmouth University, uh, one of the uh, ladies who's leading the charge against mandates on college campuses and the specific topic in that video was Dartmouth University. Uh, but she was talking about how uh, young men, young males are more likely to get myocarditis as a result of the shot as opposed to having a severe illness and hospitalization from COVID-19. So there's really more risk amongst the young male population 30 and under of getting myocarditis as opposed to getting hospitalized with COVID-19. That's why some countries in Europe and other countries across the world have uh, pulled these shots off the market for that age group. For that young male age group, uh, they have pulled these shots off the market and, and told people not to get them uh, because of the risk of heart issues as a result of these shots. So there's a lot to factor in here. And as we've always said, we've repeated over and over again, one of, one of the main issues here is the mandates. One of, from, from an ethical 
from a moral standpoint, the, the, the fundamental core issue here that I want us to not lose sight of is the mandates, okay? Because it's one thing for an adult to consent to a treatment knowing all of the surrounding information, which they should, to consent to a treatment that has or has the potential for adverse events, for adverse reactions. Okay, so that's a decision that an adult is making, knowing the risk, knowing the reward, knowing the potential risk, knowing the p- potential reward. But the whole ball game changes when you go to the mandate route. All right, because now you are not giving it as an optional treatment. You are forcing it on populations and against people's will. You are forcing them to submit their bodies to something that they do not want to participate in. That is the the lining here that I think we should all agree on. No mandates if people want to voluntarily submit themselves to a form of treatment, a medical treatment, then they should have the ability to do that, but no mandates. And that is the line that we should all be able to draw and we should all be able to agree upon is no mandates. And that's what many of these people, the clips that I'm playing, that's what they would say as well. No mandates. All right, let's go to the lines. By the way, if you want to call into the core, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 is the number to call in. We'll go to Texas and talk to Jerry. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the core. Hey, brother. It's good to talk to you again. I've called a few times. So I just actually finished during uh, <clears throat> the last program before yours, listening to the whole five hours because I didn't get a chance uh, the, two days ago. I will say that I am so thankful for God's sovereignty. As you mentioned at the beginning, when people say the big guy in the sky, it it really does diminish his sovereignty Mm. as creator of the heavens and the earth and all that there is within it. Because, you know, his word tells us, and I tell my kids all the time, if there's anything we need to do, we got to look into the word of God. It tells us it's all there. It's succinct. It is infallible, and it tells us everything even for today. We know in his word that it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So as soon as the CDC and the NIDIH and Fauci and all them start saying, don't wear masks, they're not any good, and then they change that, double-minded, double standard. The other thing the Bible tells us, test the spirits that they may be known. If any spirit does not claim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he is, or that spirit is, antichrist. And with that, it's easy to discern that you should just trust in the Lord, listen to those doctors that y'all had on this program and, and on the station itself, Ms. Parks, who was in that board, Peter McCullough in that board, uh, some other ones that you've had on here as well. Mm-hmm. And, and they all claim, from my understanding, when I listen to them, they claim the blood of Jesus. Yeah. They talk about Christ when they're talking about different things. And it's easier to understand what they're saying because they do break it down for the layperson. If you haven't, I would employ your audience I would just ask, pray faithfully and honestly, listen to the five hours, take the time, break it up in small bites like an elephant, and listen to it, and just just, just take it and let God speak to you. Pray, continue to pray without ceasing. God is in control of everything, and all things work to the good for him. Thank you, brother, and I'll let y'all go. All right. Thank you, Jerry, from Texas there. Good encouragement. And you're right. You know, I encourage everyone who listens to the show, who listens to the network, to challenge what we're saying. Don't just challenge the unbeliever, challenge the believer. And that's one thing that I think we're missing here in in, in our society is being able to to challenge. You know, all the data I bring in, all the the guests I bring in, all the clips I bring in, 
go there and, and study this stuff for yourself. And that's one thing that's missing here is many uh, on the left, many in the medical establishment that criticize some of these independent physicians and scientists that I'm playing here, they don't have data to, to undermine Dr. Malone's argument. They don't have data to undermine Peter McCullough's argument. Uh, they don't have data to undermine uh, Senator Ron Johnson's uh, discussions. All they say is they try to discredit a name call and, and pull down from platforms because they don't want to have a debate. And that should indicate that they are being misleading in many scenarios. All right, Kansas is where we're going to go next. We're going to talk to Scott. Hey, Scott, welcome to the core. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Just wanted to point out that Jan Markell, understanding the Times program for two weeks in a row, had the founder or co-founder of the Citizens Council for Health Freedom on uh, to discuss what's going on with COVID, and her site is packed full of information as far as uh, things you can do before you get COVID to you know help mitigate the effects. Things you can do after you've got COVID. Numerous doctors, uh, audios of uh, and uh, you know different. Uh, studies that you could read from around the world. Um, their website is cchfreedom.org, O-R-G. Yeah, Twyla Braze. I'd even recommend Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd even want her on. As a yeah, I, we've had her on, yeah. Yeah, she's she's been on the court yeah. at least once. Yeah, and I'm just amazed at what's on this site. So. All right. Thank you, Scott, from Kansas. And uh, we do air... Twyla Bray's uh, spots here on the network, and uh, she's been a frequent guest here on the show and other shows here on the network. That's Twyla Bray's. All right, uh, going to, by the way, if you want to call into the show, we got about five minutes left. 888-589-8840 is the number. 888-589-8840 is the number to call in. We're going to go to uh, Jason in Texas. Welcome to the core. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, I want to let you guys know that last year, back in July, like July 30th, me and my older sister were diagnosed with COVID. Um, we spent like the first week at home, um, but then like at the end of that first week, like it peaked, mostly for me. And uh, my little sister, she's a nurse at one of the hospitals over here in the Woodlands, and she told us to uh, get a... Uh, called 911 to have the EMS take us up there to the hospital she worked at. And um, I didn't know that they gave us remdesivir. And uh, my older sister, our older sister ended up passing away. Um, And um, I almost had complications. I went home on oxygen. Um, But um, they gave us, my little sister said that um, there was some the, the treatment was like four or five bags of it in, um, I guess, an IV that they gave us. And um, I don't know what all the restrictions are for them. Are, are, I mean, like all the side effects are for them. Um, but uh, I think I've been hearing people say that, like, rendesivir also messes with your with your heart. Is that true? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure about <clears throat> these specific side effects of remdesivir. There's multiple, you know, studies that show different things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also had another question. Um, I think it was on your on your program. Um, you were talking about the uh, the restrictions. 
like like the exemption. Uh, I was trying to figure out who it was that you that you had on uh, that were helping people uh, fight against that in in court to keep their jobs. All right, uh, <clears throat> let me let you go, Jason, and uh, put you on on hold. And uh, Richard will get your information. Hopefully, we can help answer some of your questions. So I just put Jason on hold. Last call for the day. We're going to go to North Carolina and talk to Carolyn. Welcome to the core. Hey, hi. So I had heard this uh, a while ago, oh, probably a, a year ago, and I saved it to my email collection of all this because it's just so unbelievable that I believe it should not be, be believed. And so what, what it started as, as it was a Tucker Carlson uh, Twitter, I believe, that I had seen, and they were talking about this vice director, vice dean at Renmin University in uh, University of Beijing, and so they were discussing how this, how, how the Chinese government was helping Biden win the election, and they were laughing about it, and, and there was this woman who had uh, translated it into English for us, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the other thing that really caught my attention was when they were discussing how China was working with a doctor from UNC Chapel Hill named Dr. Barrick, and they were apparently passing the virus in its early infancy back and forth. Hmm. And the reason that China was doing this was because in case there were a war, and we know that Trump really ticked off China with the F- trade 15 deal, seconds, Carolyn. Okay, okay, but but that the that that COVID was created in case China gets in a war and they get back into a corner and All right, Carolyn, hey, sorry to have to cut you off, but to your point, we need to know where the virus came from, where it originated, and who was involved. I couldn't agree more 100%. And we'll continue to cover that topic on the show AFA at the core. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.